Blog Talk Radio. Monday to you. There's, uh, you know, not the, well, I guess actually we do have an HBO show, come to think of it, uh, to talk about this week. Um, we got heavyweights. They're not champions, but uh, they're, you know, kind of at the top level. There's a lot to talk about. And, and we also got some, some pickups from, uh, you know, the international scene uh, from the last week. So uh, happy Monday to you, Steve. Yeah, and that show that you're talking about Saturday afternoon is the continuance of the Hearn box office between Lucas Brown and Dillian White. Uh, if you want to call in, 347-215-7598. And if you want to send us a tweet, you could do so at Steve UCN Live and at Gabriel underscore Montoya. And just as we say that, the president has joined the queue. Programming reminder, we're going to go at least 90 minutes but this week, we're going to curtail bonus championship rounds. So we're not going to be 15 rounds. We're going to be 12. At 545 Pacific, come hell or high water, we're getting out of here. But anyway, let's get started with round number one from the theater at Madison Square Garden on the worldwide leader, ESPN. We have a new WBC 140-pound champion, the pride of the Central Valley, Jose Ramirez. Pounds out a hard-fought 12-round decision over the game-tough Amir Imam. Gabe, Ramirez is a guy that you were a little bit higher on than I was. I thought it'd be kind of a tough, solid grinder. Didn't know what his ceiling was, but I think he is a testament to this, and I wrote about it for UCN Live today. Hard work and discipline is a skill. It's something that I don't think enough people take into account enough when you judge a young fighter. Yeah, it's the you know character is a hard thing to measure, um, and and the way things have changed in the last two years, particularly for uh, Mexican Americans, and, and now particularly Mexican Americans in California, uh, with some you know 400 immigrants uh, being you know, uh, rounded up every day. Like his Ramirez was already an activist in terms of talking about uh, the drought in California and like water rights and all that kind of stuff. Uh, now he's talking about immigrant rights, and, and uh, as Mark Craggle hammered home every 30 seconds on the ESPN broadcast. Um, but, you know, what, what I saw in him in the Olympics was just a, a very aggressive kid, a hardworking kid uh, who went out there. And, yeah, he wasn't the fastest, the tallest, strongest, uh, doesn't have a huge knockout punch. But the, the sheer aggression kind of spoke to me. And I thought, you know, it's not an amateur style, but uh, if he can if he can maintain that and, and hone that in the in the pros, he might have something. I, you know, it, it's not like I pointed and said that guy's going to draw ten thousand people in Fresno uh, and then win a world title. But I, I thought, you know, he's a dark horse pick, and and here we are. He's ground out 
uh, you know, he's had like one maybe kind of bad outing, uh, but beyond that, he's, he's been very exciting. He's not a knockout guy, but he, he'll just put pressure on you. And what we saw in this fight was him uh, have a higher ring IQ, you know, uh, really kind of believe in himself, go all in aggressive, but, but pick his spots and, you, you know, found his jab in the middle to the back end of the fight uh, and really started to dominate with it. Uh, it was a tough, tight fight, but uh, hard work gets it done every time and, and will like that will get it done every time. The score for this bout, 117-111, 115-113, 120-108. So scores were all over the place. Gabe, I thought the first five rounds were very competitive. Could have been 3-2 either way. But from the sixth round on, it was a dominant performance from the young man from Avenal, who was just well-conditioned, gritty, tough. And like you mentioned, there's a method to the madness. It's not just being a hammer. He's also a scalpel. He's also a thinker in there. And talking to Freddie Roach a little bit today, he said, Steve, we still got to work on the defense. He laid a little bit too long in the pocket. But you talked about that jab. That is a power jab. It's almost Kovalev-esque in a sense that sometimes he finishes combinations with it. But it's not so much a jab, but it's really just a hard power punch that comes straight from the front side. And it is something that they worked on. And Freddie knows, he goes, Steve, his left hand is actually his power hand from the con- southpaw or the conventional stance and you could see a mom's head snap back and i got to give a mom a lot mm-hmm. of credit gabe if the mom that showed up for granados that kind of overlooked this tough grinder would have shown up on saturday i don't think he makes it the difference i just hope that this fight in defeat doesn't really soak up too much of his battery life because at the end he really was taking a beating it was it was real tight for a long time. Uh, I always thought Ramirez was in control though. He he's fighting with the champion's poise, and now he's got the belt to match it. He comes out, takes center ring. It's like I'm the guy that you're gonna have to deal with. And and I thought Imam was real sharp, but it was a lot of like one and done or one two and done. Uh, he wasn't following up on his shots, and when he did, it was only the jab, you know, uh, which was a dominant punch. And you know, you got to display that you're landing to the judges, and it was clear, but. Uh, I just thought that, that early on Ramirez, his patience and the way he broke, went to the body in the first like four rounds, he threw out, but uh, really early on, it, not, not trying to win the jab war, but get inside, land of the body, uh, really set the foundation for those last two rounds, uh, which were brutal. Uh, I, I thought it, was, it, it went from a tight fight to kind of a beating in 11 and 12, didn't you? Yeah, it really did. And the one thing that alarms me, Guys are going to get hit in boxing, but the thing that a lot of the commissions talk to their inspectors and referees about is the whiplash effect. And when you see a guy's head getting snapped back like a Pez dispenser, that's when it starts to get a little bit alarming. And it did happen to Amir Imam an abundance of times in the late rounds on Saturday night. Ramirez is now 22-0, 14 knockouts. Interesting situation with the WBC. You know the mantra, hashtag belts matter. Well, Regis Progrer, who blew out Julius Ndongo in DeBella Wood a couple of weeks ago, he is in essence not just the WBC interim titleist. He is the mandatory. Now, put yourself in Progrer's shoes, Gabe. Tell me what you would do if you were Regis Progrer. Bob Arum had lunch with Lou DeBella, who promotes Progrer, and they want to come up with the scenario where – Jose Ramirez will make a summer defense, perhaps at a minor league ballpark in Fresno. And what he would like to see happen is for Progrer to be the co-feature to raise Progrer's profile to help promote the fight down the line, make it bigger in a few months. And then sometime in the fall, 
have them fight on quote unquote neutral ground at the forum in Los Angeles. While Regis Progreros made it very clear on Twitter, uh uh-uh, I want the fight next, that's the mandate, that's my right, I've earned it. What would you advise him, Gabe? Because I see both sides, I do. Yeah, and in this game, it's you know you don't get what you don't demand, and uh, and and especially when the system is tilting in your favor that way, uh, you know if, if I'm Regis Progre, I'm like I want that fight, and I want it now. But uh, at the same time, you know if I'm around him, I say you know Bob Arum's been in this business a long time, uh, made a, a fighters a lot of money, and if HBO is willing to pay you twice, uh, or ESPN rather is willing to pay you twice, uh, then get it done and, and get paid twice. Uh, get your name out there because you got to know, you know, comparatively, that guy's done uh, over 10,000, 12,000 people in Fresno several times, and you're Regis Progre. Uh, yeah. You haven't fought that often in the last year. You need, you need it. So, I don't know. If I'm his manager, let's make some money. Well, That's Gabe, here, here's, the, here's the issue, though. If you're Regis Progre and you say, okay, I'm going to agree to the Aaron plan, I'm going to get paid pretty well to be the co feature, I get to bring my own opponent. And when I face Ramirez, it's not in the Fresno Central Valley area, but L.A., where it's a little bit more neutral. You know, that's not the worst deal in the world, is it? No, it to really is To go two isn't. for one in terms of paydays and you don't fight in Fresno? Hey, as long as you got it on paper that, that this yeah. ain't going away, that this fight isn't going away, uh, I'm all in. You know, they should do it. And they should agree to do VADA testing and test in between all these fights. Set a precedent. Mm, looking at the landscape at 140, you got youngsters like Josh Taylor, Cholo Salcedo, Terry Flanagan, and Mo Hooker fighting for the WBO title. Mikey Garcia. Uh, my understanding is he still has not made a decision on the 140-pound belt that he won. Ivan the Beast Baranchek, Sergey Lipinets. Boy, this is a good division, Gabe. I like what we can cook up here in the next two, three years. Oh, these guys, there's no reason, you know, they need to fight each other. And what's great about it also is that there is a flagship guy. You know, you would think that there'd be this void with with Terrence Crawford leaving, uh, but here you've got somebody just sliding right in. And strange, they're promoted by top rank. How how weird. You know, one's Hmm. graduated to the next level, and the other guy's just dipped his toe. We found out that, that Mexicans from Fresno or from California may not, all traveled to New York to go see their guy. Uh, you know, they didn't sell out the, the arena. I think it was like just under. But uh, but still, I mean, you know, he's, he was, when he goes back home for that home down defense, I'm hoping to be there. You know, uh, uh, that just sounds like, you know, it's got to be done. Like you said, it's on the bucket list, seeing him fight at home. It's pretty rare to get uh, a champion like that in Northern California that, that, that has a belt and is exciting. And, and draws. I, I don't know why we haven't had that in a while. But looking across 140, there isn't a bad fight to be made. No. And according to Rick Marigian, the hardest working advisor in boxing who's just done <laughs> a superlative job in marketing, Jose Ramirez, they, there is an arrangement for June at the minor league ballpark, which is the AAA affiliate of the world champion Houston Astros. He has a hold on that for June. July and August, he also has reservations for the Save Mart Center, which he's already sold out. So sometime in the summer, Jose Ramirez will be fighting a homecoming title defense. Certainly very good for the business of boxing game. The more I see Alexander Gavozic, the nail, who won a 12-round decision over Mehdi Amar, 
I think he's more solid than he is sensational. Am I wrong? No. <laughs> it was super ordinary to me. I mean, like, you know, he got the job done. Uh, it was it was a tough fight, but I was like, man, you know, he's got to be really match-made uh, well because uh, somebody with some mobility and some power is just going to beat his ass over, over a long haul and bring down. Uh, not a lot of mobility, not a defensive puzzle, and the power – you know, it, it, it seems like it, it's a fight, but it's not anything to be super worried about. So, you know, he's kind of – I wouldn't – he's a class above a, a jag, uh, but, but yeah, not, uh, not the future. Yeah, and, and I know in boxing, styles make fights, and they also make results. But I just kept thinking to myself, a Sergey Kovalev or a Dmitry Bivol or an Adonis Stevenson, they don't let Mehdi Amar see the distance. In fact, I think all right. three of them would get him out of there by the mid-rounds. And the thing about Gabonczyk, he is like a nail. He's hard, he's stiff, but he's also very inflexible. <laughs> and I, I can see that his style is very linear and it's paint by numbers, one, two with an occasional hook. But you also see he's not that elusive. And when I see B-ball, I say to myself, there's a real ceiling there. There's upside. There is improvement to be had. With Gabonczyk, I say to myself, that's what he is. And it's not bad, but I don't think it's, it's quite as good as advertised. Yeah. No, I was, that was really the big revelation, like watching him. was like, oh, he can't beat hmm. the top guys here. He, mm, he's, uh, yeah. He's, he's not that guy, you know. Um, I think, yeah, people would just beat his ass. Uh, and, you know, mid-round stoppage, maybe eight-round stoppage. Cause he's clearly in good shape, and he's got a beard on him, I think. But uh, – I just think that you know, the, the lack of mobility and, and like you said, it it's chicken hail. This is completely inflexible. Uh, I think that says it all. But uh, look at the, the hammers at the at the top of the division: Bivol, Baturiev, Kovalev, Stevenson. Uh, they all bend the nail. Mm. Gabe, this was a very interesting undercard on ESPN, the app, and also which was the anti-walkout bout. Uh, Michael Conlon was not the main event, people. He was the one guy that was going to keep the audience and to make sure that Ramirez and Mom was not fought in front of 1,500 people. Gabe, I saw your Twitter feed. Are you coming back around on Irish Mick? Yeah. You know, at first, I mean, it could have been just good matchmaking. You know, the you got to trust your eyes. And uh, the last time out, he just, I don't know, he, uh, there was just something missing. Maybe it was a technique, but he, he's made a, a, a coaching change. And you could see that his, his punches are tighter. Uh, his sense of range was better. It was just more snap to him. He looked in better condition to me. Uh, you know, sometimes you got to move around and, and figure out where where you're uh, at your best. And and I think he, he's he's figured that out. I mean, we'll see as as things go up. He was he was clearly you know supposed to send everybody out on a high note, and that's what he did. And I think that was the most impressive thing was that you know he may not be the main event, but you'll try telling that to him, you know, he knows he's closing the show. <laughs> or a several uh, thousand know. fans. <laughs> I mean, this was St. Patrick's Day. One day yeah. this will be his weekend. This is, they've already planted the seed and you could see how it's growing. And you talk to people there, there was an electricity and a buzz for an eight round fight that you just simply don't see. Now with Michael Conlon, I like him personally and I believe he has been a victim, if, if that's the right word, of opponents that simply did not want to dance. 
that they didn't try to win. And I've always said the ironic thing about boxing, unlike other sports, that in this particular game, if you want to call it that, when your opponent wants to do nothing more than play dead and not actually try to take risks, it affects you. Like, like in football, if a team just lays down and tanks, they might get 50 to nothing, blown out. Same with basketball. But in boxing, if a guy is there merely to survive and never opens up, and I believe Michael Conlon has been put in positions where he not only has to win, but he has to look good, well, that's extra pressure. And I've said it. I believe the more Michael Conlon is matched with guys who actually want to give him real professional resistance and try to win and give him opportunities to exchange and counterpunch, I think the game's going to open up for him. And I think we saw that. And I have a lot of McConlin. Uh, I think he is a real prospect for a couple of reasons. Amateur pedigree, he loves the sport, and he's not going to cheat himself. This is a passion. So uh, I'm interested. I think Gabe... You're not ordering the Mick Collin on the menu, but I think you're thinking about it again for the next sitting. But yeah. you know you know what's gone bad? You know what has been given the D rating by the uh, local health commission? Felix Verdejo. Mm. Yeah, yeah, this is not WEPA. My Puerto Rican flag is at half-mast. Yeah, I'll admit, I'll admit this was my Ryan Leaf. I, I was high on him, and maybe in looking back, I so wanted a Puerto Rican star to carry the mantle for Miguel Cotto, and quite frankly, so I can go to Puerto Rico to cover big events. But I will say this. I jumped off the bandwagon right around the time that he got off the motorcycle into a crash. And Mm. everything that happened this past weekend was really a confirmation of what I think we all kind of knew about a year ago, was it not, Gabe? Yeah, I mean... You know, I got to be honest. I was never really that big on him, and and uh, I think you pointed this out uh, that Nara fight. He went the distance with him, and then Nara's career. You like watch it after that, and he gets stopped I think twice after that. Yeah, and, and you kind of go, well, there's the measuring sticks. As Saul Rodriguez stopped him, and then Ramundo Beltran stopped him, and you go, well, I, I just didn't. I, there was too much movement. He's still stuck in in. Uh, in, in just amateur gear and the power just clearly wasn't next level. I mean, when you watch great hitters and, 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 uh, you know, KO artists through the years, the power manifests early, you kind of blow through guys and you got to find that, that experience level and, and rugged level to, to challenge your guy. And, and with him, it was like, it was Nahara. Uh, and I was like, that's not really that great of a sign. Uh, Gabe, uh, I was there at that fight. That was on, I believe, June 13th, 2015. Now at that point, Felix Verdejo was a legitimate blue chip stock. And mm-hmm. that was going to be the beginning of him headlining into bigger and bigger venues during the Puerto Rican Day Parade weekend, the way Miguel Cotto has for the past dozen or so years. That particular night began the descent or the time he began to plateau. And after a while, you have to trust your eyes and say, you know what? It's like baseball. There are certain guys that are great in rookie ball, single-A ball, double-A ball, and you say to yourself, wow, this guy is going to be the next five-tool Ken Griffey, Alex Rodriguez. But then they start getting into major league pitching, and they can't hit the breaking stuff, and you find out they're more Ruben Rivera than anything else, (laughs) or Sean Abner, or many other guys who I bought – 
tens and dozens of baseball cards, rookie cards that are now worth two cents at most. That's Felix Verdejo. And the one thing that I noticed about Verdejo in this fight, he isn't comfortable inside the pocket. And so everything is always all the way on the outside, then he rushes in and he gets right back out. So there's a lot of energy expended. Now, the first three rounds against Antonio Lozada, who simply did not go away, he couldn't dissuade him, couldn't hurt him, couldn't back him up. So all of a sudden, the early flashing punching, then by the mid-rounds became boxing, which then devolved into flat-out four-corners movement. And I remember thinking in the seventh or eighth round, is he going to get to the finish line? And just the way his face was beat up, Gabe, it led me to believe if you really care about this kid, you might say to yourself, you may want to get a new gig. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah, you could really, around that, that point, you could see it, you know. And, and when you, you, know, you do the trial by fire to see what your guy is all about, or even just, a, you know, you're supposed to, all right, you know, it's, it's this big card. Do you want your mantle back or not? We're bringing you to New York. This is an enthusiastic fight, you know, uh, uh, crowd. And you've got all these kind of uh, potential stars on, on the card. What are you going to do? And this is what he did. You know, uh, maybe he just wasn't that good. Maybe he wasn't that durable. Because that, that's also, I think, a thing that yeah. you find out about a guy at that top level. Can he take a beating? And, and, and you know, can he take a lick and keep on ticking? Apparently he, not. He looked, he looked flimsy, and it turned out, and I fell for it, I was the Asian driver of that bandwagon before giving up the wheel about 18, 12, 18 months ago. He was more sizzled than steak. But I pointed this out in my column. Unlike even a Christopher Diaz, his former stablemate, and certainly a Jose Ramirez who ventured out and said, I'm not going to be the big fish in a small pond out here in Fresno. Uh, I'm going to make the sacrifice to take my lumps at wildcard boxing with real pros and a real trainer and get into a tough environment. I I see a lot of fighters that move from cities to towns to states to countries to better themselves. Verdejo never gave himself that shot. I, I think it's going to be a cautionary yeah. tale to a lot of talented young fighters that you better expand your horizons if you want to maximize your potential. There's no question. And, you know, I don't blame you for buying that stock because this appeared to be a guy that was listening. You know, uh, we always hear that story about Floyd being tutored by, by Sugar Ray Leonard and Oscar about, you know, you've got to smile and engage the, the media and, like, he didn't want to hear it. Uh, granted, he was he was smart being true to himself for creating a character and made a lot of money. But you know, you looked at I, I did anyways. I was at Hall of Fame weekend for Oscar and, and Felix Trinidad. Uh, Verdejo was there, signing autographs, shaking hands, and you thought this guy's creating a connection uh, with with the hardcore boxing fans. That's so smart. Clearly, his promoter has got him doing that. But as it turns out, he really just liked being Felix Verdejo. And like you said, you, you can't you can't grow outside of your comfort zone. I don't know if you've seen the new Chris Rock stand-up, uh, but he does a bit about what he says to his kids. He's like, I prepare them for one for the world. And so every day when they head out to school, I tell them, on the other side of this door, once you leave, no one gives shit about you. No one in the world cares about you, thinks you're cute, you know, wants to put up with your bullshit. Only the people in this house. Now go out and have a good day. Somebody needed to tell that to Felix Verdejo. Get off the island. Go get your ass kicked. Go to the wild card or legends or wherever the hell where they all look at you and need you to prove yourself. Like the response to be. 
because, you know, the, the end result is what we got, is that guy just wasn't prepared when the hardest test came. Yeah, and I still remember Vasil Lomachenko being asked, out of all the guys you fought in the Olympics, who stood out? And he said Verdejo, even more than Oscar Valdez. And Oscar Valdez, I know he is one of the absolute gym rats of the sport. He loves to eat, breathe, and smell the game of boxing. Jose Ramirez, he has a work ethic that matches those migrant field workers that he advocates for. Um, Even as of two, three years ago, Freddie Roach would say my best prospect, it was not Jose Ramirez. It was always Frankie Gomez. Well, (laughs) Jose Ramirez is a world champion, and... The long-gone, forgotten Frankie Gomez is in Bolivian. Folks, work ethic and commitment and discipline matter. Gabe, interesting news on the boxing television platform front. ESPN has announced that they are going to be starting ESPN+. Plus. Now, this has been, been in the works for a while, especially when they, they purchased a majority share of BAMTECH. In the summer of 2017, and the fight between Jeff Horn and Terrence Crawford, which we reported on last week, would not be taking place April 14th, has been backed up by a supposed hand injury to Terrence Crawford. But that particular fight is going to be on this ESPN Plus package or this new app, which will cost $4.99 a month. And it, and it was revealed by the ESPN president, the new one, that 12 additional shows with top rank will be on this app exclusively your thoughts on the overall deal i'm stoked man that's more it's easier to, to get to it i don't mind paying you know uh, i mean when hbo gets an app that shows live fights uh and puts them up in a timely fashion uh then you know i'll get that app uh you know, but uh, and and it'll be I'll be completely kind of a la carte and and uh, you know I mean look at the this last weekend I got to watch the Thompson boxing show uh, I'm still I'm kind of halfway through it but I watched the the Danny Roman uh, I'd watched it in in Japanese but I wanted to hear what you guys had to say uh, it, was, it was a great show you guys both did a great job uh, you know in the way we're watching stuff is is completely new and, uh, and all a cart on your time at ESPN plus people are going to complain about it, but I, I just think uh, it's convenient. It, it also helps fund boxing. I think it, this ESPN deal, it just continues to expand. It shows that I mean, look at all the fights that ESPN has, has brought uh, and well, top rank has brought to ESPN They've all been quality matches. I mean, and, and when I'm watching it as a boxing fan, and I'm seeing it in a bar or wherever, and like a, you know, all these people are getting exposed to it. I'm proud to be a boxing fan. Like this is a good product. This is a great representation of my sport. So I'm all for it. I'll pay my. I'll pay the five bucks. A couple of things here about the deal. Um, my understanding is, and this is the one thing Todd DeBuff, the president of Top Rank, made it clear. He wouldn't comment on anything else. But he said, Steve, these are not going to take away from the original 18 shows already on the main network, ESPN. So basically, Top Rank's going to have 30 cards to work with. Now, that's a good number. Now, at that point, you could really see them developing young prospects, keeping them busy and active, and also signing more clients to their stable. Now, what I do want to know is this ESPN Plus, and I was asked this on Twitter, and this is still being worked out. Will the other cards on ESPN be available on ESPN Plus? Because like yeah. you said, cord cutting is now an issue. 
It has absolutely affected ESPN and almost every major network. Second of all, one of the great aspects of this ESPN top rank deal is that a fight like the one we saw last week and this past weekend, all the bars across the country and all the bar and grills were probably viewing the fight and airing it for hundreds of thousands of people that otherwise would never have seen it on HBO since premium cable networks are not available in those establishments. Everyone at a hotel uh, probably has ESPN on as their default channel like myself. Mm -hmm. So I'm just wondering, are they going to lose that aspect? The other question that I have is what caliber of fights are we going to get on ESPN Plus? Now, Gabe, I do understand when you first get an application like this, you want to make a splash. You want to drive subscribers or interest. So a Terrence Crawford fight is one way to get people automatically to go over there. You know, I still remember when ESPN3, which was originally called ESPN360, started streaming sporting events and a lot of college football games. I was told that Miami was one of those schools that they absolutely wanted to show. So, and I'll never forget, Gabe, it was 2008, and they're playing this small school called Charleston Southern. And I'm saying to myself, my God, we're on some internet stream? This is Miami. They've won five national titles in the middle of the game. Craig Cooper, this young kid that we had, takes a punt return, going to the end zone, and the, and the thing just freezes. And my friend had it hooked up to his big screen. And we couldn't get the feedback. And I remember saying to myself, this streaming stuff is never going to work. I, I don't think this has any future. I will never watch anything on my computer. And yet here we are a decade later. Hey, look at us. Hey, that things change. But there is one thing that I want to say about the fans who are complaining about this. And this is for those fans who specifically say, well, I thought this was about free boxing and they're taking it away from the biggest audience, this and that. Gabe, I've probably spoken to Todd DeBuff and Bob Arum about this ESPN deal more than anybody. And I went through all my interviews and all the times they've been quoted, and I've racked my brain over all the conversations I've had. Never once have they said this is about free boxing, have they? Am I wrong? Nope. nope. No. Nope. That's, that's some other uh, failed venture. Uh, right. This and, one and one other point, doing Gabe, if you want to see PBC fights right now, and they're putting on some pretty good ones, don't you have to pay about $15 a month for Showtime? Yeah. Right? You know, well, what, what's the difference? Yeah. What's the difference? You know, yeah, you've got to, you know, I get it, uh, my Showtime through Amazon Prime. I've got that. Uh, but that, you know, um, for, for the ESPN app, you know, I've got to get like YouTube TV. That's 40 bucks a month. Uh, yeah. So I can uh, the app for, for uh, ESPN and watch all those fights. And, but, you know, I mean, I, I don't go to the fights, so I don't support boxing that way. But when I watch the fights and, you know, if the ratings count or whatever, uh, those being part of those numbers and, and watching it live or even just, you know, watching it any way you can, like through the, like through the app, through the normal channels, that's, in a sense, I think helping boxing because this deal, rather than just buying out everybody and then rolling out your product like the PBC did and seeing if it sticks – they started small with top rank. All right, we're going to do these quality cards. Now they're expanding into this whole other venture as, uh, they, as they see the future unfolding uh, technologically wise, tech wise. Um, so that's, I think how you do it. I think it's a positive sign that they're taking a chance on boxing this way. Um, you know, it's fans will always grouse. I, I don't think we can govern by the people that complain. Yeah. And also re remember this, the quality of the fights 
that's basically 90% of this. The the last three shows of top rank, they keep it at that level, it'll work. If it's going to be Gilberto Ramirez against some unknown African Bigfoot, it ain't going to work. It's really that simple. And Saturday night, as we're streaming the Danny Roman-Ryo Matsumoto fight, and we have about 40 minutes to go before we go back live, me and Beto Duran, Gabe, I'm on my phone watching the Jose Ramirez fight last six, seven rounds. It re- it's amazing. This, this is the way it works in 2018. Gabe, some good news here. Jorge Linares, Vasil Lomachenko, the deal is done. I think it's going to be formally announced this week. Tickets will go on sale at the Madison Square Garden. You know what? Every once in a while, boxing doesn't completely screw the pooch. <laughs> There's... Uh... You know, uh, it's it's. Hang on, I'm sorry. Uh, 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 hang on one second. I'm having a, uh, an issue. All right. Anyway, as we wait for Gabe Montoya to kind of work out whatever he's going through, we want to remind you we're going to be on for at least one more hour, going all the way up to 8:30 p.m. Eastern time. If you want to text us or, excuse me, tweet at us, you could do so at Steve UCN Live and at Gabriel underscore Montoya. And I know we have phone calls lined up. That number, 347-215-7598. But, yeah, May 12th from the famed Madison Square Garden. Folks, this is the big room on ESPN, an early start time. It will be Jorge Linares, the WBA 135-pound champion, taking on one of the best fighters in the world, Vasil Lomachenko, and it was announced today by Golden Boy and HBO, ladies and gentlemen, that on that very same day, alongside the Golovkin-Canelo replay, Saddam Ali, who pulled the shocking upset against Miguel Cotto in December, he will be taking on Liam Smith. Gabe, are you back? Yeah, oof, that, was, that was close. The, uh, I'll, I'll so, Gabe, what you. do you think about the Camp David Accords of boxing as Golden Boy, Top Rank, ESPN, and HBO, they all got together clasping hands. I don't know who is Menachem Begum. I don't know who's Anwar Sadat. I don't know who would be President Carter. But you know what? I thought the fight was dead. Guess what? I'm going to be there. I, I, there's a part of me that still doesn't believe it. Yeah, it's an unbelievable fight. Uh, Linares versus Lomachenko. I, I think, you know, Linares is, is, is in for a, a rough night. I mean, he cuts... Uh, he can be hit and hurt. Uh, he's got beautiful boxing skills. He's got height here, but uh, I just think Lomachenko is probably too much for him. But you know, you've got like this great technician with with speed and not a lot of power, but enough, uh, and just and, and battle tested guy. Sometimes battle failing uh, or failing in battle against Lomachenko, who's just uh, an artist and a true original uh, style uh, all to himself. Uh, I just couldn't, and it's at the garden. I just, who could ask for anything more? Lightweights is bringing class to a, uh, just a, a wonderful division. I can't wait for this fight. Unbelievable that they got this done. So in back-to-back weeks, we'll have Canelo Golovkin, the rematch, and Lomachenko Linares. You know what? I think that speaks for itself. Going on to the <laughs> Twitter timeline, we start off with our first man, the president, Andrew V. Kennedy, who asked if Eddie Hearn, my good friend, were to take Anthony Joshua to HBO, how do you see it impacting the Wilder fight? Is the fight big enough to overcome all promotional barriers? Or could Hearn use HBO's move as a convenient impediment? 
I guess he could. That is certainly probable. But Gabe, for both Joshua and Wilder to be completely satisfied financially, and again, I know people are going to hate this. Doesn't that fight have to be pay-per-view? And at that point when it's pay-per-view, those type of hurdles have been overcome in the past. They have, you know, but it's interesting to, I mean, it's a strange move for Hearn to just move his guy to HBO and just set up this obstacle when it's not there and the fight is right there on the precipice, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. Joshua says if he wins this fight, he wants it next. And and Hearn listens to those marching orders, I I believe. Um, You know, I I don't know. Cooler heads might prevail and say, look, you need to have a, a, a coming to America fight. Uh, we try to do some sort of co-promotion in some way, and it, it's easier to do that kind of rollout if you're on the same network. Um, so I, you know, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't think he's going to bring them to HBO. I think he's going to go where the fight is and then see where they're at. <laughs> then, Gabe, I have a question. Why the hell is Peter Nelson buying Lucas Brown, Dillian White, and, and that card on April 28th? I mean, you want to talk about having your cake and eat it too? Jeez, he's playing Peter Nelson like a fiddle if that's the case. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, it might just be that it's on the table, and so you're like, you don't want to piss him off, you know? Uh, and so you, you, you take what he's got uh, and, and hope for the best. I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you know, Eddie's, Eddie's playing, uh, you know, multidimensional chess uh, if, if he doesn't end up you know, bringing this guy over there. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to interview him again. Anyway, Tommy Boxeo. <laughs> Says, what's your thoughts on the rumor that Canelo is reported to be fighting Spike O'Sullivan in September? You know, I've heard that. Okay, my understanding with Spike O'Sullivan is he's not going to be fighting Lemieux on May 5th. He'll be headlining the ESPN card that Golden Boy has the night before in Las Vegas. And listen, I don't care what happens May 5th in the rematch that is going to happen between Golovkin and Canelo. Gabe. The one thing that I have fought for and talked about more than anybody is fight variation. Yeah, they could do a third chapter of Golovkin Canelo. Let's get some other fights in between, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, let's let's well, let's see the rematch and then and then we'll go from there. You know, what if it's a quick knockout on either end? You know? Yeah. Uh, it's just everything changes. I, I I don't like to 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 be the great Karnak. You know, uh, with fights, I just kind of like to deal with what's in front of me. Um, I don't even know if that, you know, are you, are you that solid that uh, the investigation is going to come back and find uh, no collusion with Clembuterol? Yes. I'll say, and, I, and I'll give you two words why. Bob hmm. Bennett. <laughs> yeah. That's why. Come on. Come on, Gabe. Stop, stop being so naive. Jeez. <laughs> Here's a tweet from one shining moment. Uh, I'm not impressed with Conlon beating the Hungarian Greg Luganis. I think that's a little unfair. Gabe, listen, do I think that guy was the toughest, roughest guy ever? No, but I don't think he took a dive. I think that first body shot, that right right to the solar plexus, I, I thought that was a solid punch. And that guy looks nothing like Mario Lopez. Um, <laughs> Whoa! Whoa. <laughs> it was, you know, Whoa. He went out of limb and playing Mr. Luganis. Um, yeah, I, uh, I, I thought it was a solid win. You know, um, the, the guy had been pretty active, right? You know, and uh, he didn't look like he was a terrible fighter. I, that, that body shot hurt him, and he never recovered, and he didn't let him recover. Uh, that was a very professional ass-kicking, I thought, which it surprised yeah, and me. Yeah, by the way, your last statement about Mario Lopez, boy, that, that certainly caused a splash. 
Anyways, three four seven two one five seven five nine eight. Folks, save us and save me. Let's get to the phone lines. Oh, it is a, it's a Monday pentacular. Uh, oh boy, wow, that that was pathetic. Oh jeez. <laughs> five six two. You're live on the next round. Five six. Hello. Hello. Wow, not a good start. Judges get that one at zero. Three one three. You're live on the next round. Hello. Hello. Yes. Yo, yeah, what's, what's going on? Yeah, I saw the fight in your right. Let's look at it like this. I was at a hotel in New York. It had ESPN, so I didn't watch the Mikey Garcia fight. If you look back just the last week. Mm, you know, interesting. Um, now, question, if access. you were in New York, why didn't you actually go to the fight? Oh, I was with family and stuff like that. Oh, okay. There was a lot of stuff okay. going on. But, gotcha. yeah, but just going back to a point I've been talking about before, I mean, you guys like football from what I, I imagine. Yes, so I certainly do. You look, so you look at draft classes a lot in football. So why don't we look at Olympic classes the same way? You know, there are people that do that, like Ryan Scalia. He certainly does that. And you look at back at 2012 with what Lomachenko, Valdez, and Ramirez right off the top of my head, and I believe Errol Spence. Wasn't yep. he in 2000? That's a pretty good class. Yeah, yeah, I think I mean, people do, do look at it that way. I mean, how do you mean? I mean, like, should we hold the drafts, or, or you just mean they don't they don't talk about them in that way, like uh, linking guys uh, when they turn pro? A little bit of both. I mean, if you look at it, uh, you know, um, like Cotto and Taylor. If you look back at that class, it wasn't bad. I mean, Cotto and Taylor, they didn't. Brian Valoria, Jeff Lacey, Sam Peter. Daniel Ponce de Leon. Now, I, I know a lot about that particular Olympics because I was the NBC researcher for Teddy Atlas and Marv Albert. So that, that one I have a pretty good grasp of. Yeah, I mean, you know, you get you get quality class. We just don't look at it the same way, unfortunately, as we do with the NFL or NBA and things of that nature. I just really find that funny. Now, quick that question. Um, going back to the ESPN component, would you think about buying the ESPN Plus app? As a boxing fan? Yeah, so unfortunately I'm not the most technologically savvy person with apps and things of that nature. I could barely uh, do my Lyft and Uber. But other than that, I mean, if I can, you know, I would do it. I mean, it was $5 a month. And yeah. You don't have to worry about blackouts or anything like NBA TV and things of that nature. So, I mean, it's definitely yeah, also, more worthwhile. Uh, they are going to have shoulder programming that relates to boxing. And I think they're going to have international fights, and they will have other programs that are associated or linked to the other sports. So it's not going to be just about one fight a month, and I think that's another misconception that needs to be cleared up. Oh, yeah, and you, and you talked about May, but you forgot one fight. Well, actually, two fights. May is a great month. I mean, you look at it. Anyway, and McDonald, I think that's official, is it? And you yeah, got Ufie and Gossier. Yeah, Usyev. I mean, oh, Usyev well, remember this. I'm hearing Usyev Gassiev might be moved back to July. And in, and in fact, when I was at Big Bear a couple of weeks ago to visit Gennady Golovkin, I was told that Gassiev will not be there till mid-April. So if that's true, it, I don't think he's going to be fighting May 11th, as originally planned. Okay, well, I can deal with it. But, um, yeah. 
You know, in a way, McDonald's, that's a that's a very underrated fight. And the thing about in a, like, you know, I know a lot of people are high on Mike, uh, Conlon, but you look at his upside because, of course, there's a talent evaluation. You look at people's upside where they could possibly get. I don't see any way that really Conlon would ever be in a way unless he just really crashes out. Well, this, hold on. Right now, in a way, that 118, right? Right. Because he just moved up. Well, Collins at 126. They, they may not ever actually run into each other. Yeah, I mean, that's true, too. But, uh, I mean, in a way, he seems to be moving up pretty quickly, and Collins not even at a point where he's at a belt yet. So, I mean, it, it could be a possibility. Yeah. And, and I was looking just one more. As far as Shakur Stevens, I was talking to a, a trainer who trains a high-level fighter. And he was saying the same thing I'm thinking. Really, it seems to me he should be a 122. Yeah, there's a real lack of pop and physical strength. But keep this in mind. Isn't he only 20 years old? Yeah, He's still that is very true. young. He he needs to develop his man muscles. Yeah, it might be better at 122, though. I well, think that, I think too. <laughs> that might go right. hand in hand. Anyway, thank you for the call. As always, we appreciate it. Three four seven two one five seven five nine eight. Gabe, who's next? Nine one seven. You're live on the next round. Yeah, Gabe, Stevenson, Milcar. Oh, Milcar, hey. nice and early this time. What's going on? Oh yeah, man. So uh, I don't know. I- I've seen Shakur Stevenson. I think he might physically get stronger, but I don't think I can't think of too many people whose punching power is just increase that quickly from, like, the early 20s to the mid-20s. And if you look at a kid like uh, Ryan Garcia or you go further back, Tito, these guys were knocking people out in the early 20s. So, you know, I've seen them a couple times. I, I just have not been, been too impressed. But, yeah, you uh, know what? I, listen, Amilcar, I'm not saying he'll yeah. ever turn in to a real puncher. Punchers are born, they are not made. And one thing that – I don't want to say it's alarming, but recently – the third opponent of Stevenson is this tough Argentinian by the name of David Paz, P-A-Z. And he fought one of Vadim Kornilov's Uzbekistan fighters in his pro debut in New York on a real deal sports show. And that fight took one minute for the Uzbek just to, like, blow his ribs out. And I said to myself, huh, it, 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 it was a little tougher for Stevenson. So, yeah, those things, those things kind of make you think a little bit. Yeah, absolutely, as does the level of his competition. But I had a question for you. I was listening to you guys talk about Joshua and Wilder. Who is uh, Wilder's promoter? Is it DeBella? I've always been confused about this. Uh, and Al Heyman. Okay, is he signed, okay, <laughs> is he signed to Showtime? Is he signed yeah. to them? Um, well, I, well, listen, the reality is, for the most part, if you're on that side of the street with the PBC, you're on Showtime. Right. Okay. Quick well, pro quo. Because based on what you were saying about ESPN, like, to me, the most logical venue or platform for J- Joshua to make his U.S. debut would be ESPN, if he wants to Who? as many eyes on him <laughs> as, as possible. Like, you just said it yourself. Uh, you know, it's on in hotels, it's on in bars. If I go to Buffalo Wild Wings, they've got ESPN on. They don't show yep. e, they don't show HBO. You know what I mean? 
And yeah. as we've talked about before, you buy HBO Go or HBO Now, because I'm a cord cutter myself. I actually subscribe to you, YouTube TV now. You don't get to purchase HBO Live, right? And they don't put their boxing on right away like Showtime does. So I just think HBO is kind of just in the stone Blockbuster video? Where we're moving. Yeah. In a Netflix world? Now, Absolutely. Now, Milkar, based on this, uh, this conversation, obviously you're well-versed in terms of keeping up with modern technology and the platforms. ESPN Plus, are you interested in buying that? I'll give it a shot. Um, okay. You know, it's only $5 a month. I, I, like I said, I subscribe to YouTube TV. So I, I don't, you know, and I get a lot of ESPN channels on that. They give us the SEC network. I yeah. haven't missed a single game of March Madness. By the way, that Michigan game was incredible, that, that finish on Saturday. Um, you know, I get everything I need in terms of ESPN right now. Um, yeah. I'll give it a shot if it gives me more boxing. Yeah, but, because it, it is interesting to see these people who are so critical of this ESPN Plus deal. I'll point it out again. Top-ranked Todd DeBoff, they've never said this was about free boxing. They've actually never said that. And second of all, if you want to watch the PBC, guess what? Without Showtime, you really can't do it. That costs you 15 20 bucks a month. I've never understood the free TV logic because you have to pay basic cable to get ESPN. Nowadays so you do. You do. You're right. Yeah. Like, there's no such thing as regular antenna TV now. Those days are long gone. Look, and, you know, if I decide that $5 isn't worth it, that's a couple cups of coffee. Like, I'm not crying over that. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But, look, I'll be honest with you. The main reason I wanted to call in um, today is just something I was thinking about on Saturday when when I was watching this ESPN card. It's like I've never been a fan of nationalism like or organized religion. I just think they've both been very dangerous uh, generally as it relates to the world. But I, I, I've just really grown to really dislike the way boxing in the United States is promoted along ethnic lines. And I'm watching this card on Saturday, and I'm asking myself, how the fuck is this uh, ESPN main event in prime time? I mean, you take away St. Patrick's Day, I'm sorry, that like that's not a quality card. You know what I mean? Now, I'm, you're talking about Conlon's fight. Absolutely. I mean, I'm well, watching the card for over an hour. They don't even mention who his opponent is. That's how well, bad the fight was. I think it was the last fight, but again... Walkout bout. I, I have seen cards where a certain popular fighter, if they sell tickets, it doesn't matter if it's Ollie Frazier in the time machine. Once their fighter fights, they'll leave. And I think that's what, and I've seen it actually when Mikey Garcia fought Salito, Shawnee right. Monahan fa- fans left, then it was the Golovkin fans who left. And by the time Garcia fought Salito, you had half the audience. I, I don't consider that the main event. That just happened to be the last bout of that broadcast. Well, I think everyone that tuned in for that was TV, for TV. Ramirez and Mom. Did you see it on TV, though? Yeah, I, mean, I did. They, they, were, they were giving us the promos, the backstory. You know, they, they did everything they would do for, like, a main event fight. And, look, I'll be honest with you. As a black person... I'm a I'm a millennial too, so I guess you could fit me into like what people call quote unquote demographic, right? It's hmm. it's this type of promotion that takes certain black fans to the other extreme of like being the PBC pom pom waivers. 
Because they just look at it and they're like, look, to be honest, if this guy was black, would he be promoted like this? Uh, when's the last time you've seen a Black History Day month card or a, uh, you know, MLK weekend card and promoted that way? Oh, but, but, but a milk card? Yeah. Yeah, What's yeah, keeping yeah. a PBC from doing that? Well, I was just about to say that. The problem is that the PBC is like FUBU, which was big when I was in you know, <laughs> elementary Not even a Nietzsche? Not no, even no, Kelly no. But, Steve, bear with me, right? It's like the for us, by us plan, right? And when it's promoted almost that way or, like, people think of it that way, look, you never used to see a lot of non-black people wearing FUBU. Just, so, you know, it, that that's how it almost is. You go to a PBC card and you get that feeling. Look, I go to them every now and again, but it's like when you start promoting people according to their ethnicity, right, you alienate other people, and then you make it more difficult for certain people to, to, to get onto that level, so to speak. So you look at the successful black fighters, to me, um, Omaha, Nebraska, right? Terrence um, Crawford. Terrence Crawford, he's not promoted as a black fighter. He's just promoted as a good fighter, and they put him in his hometown, right? You go to England, where they have successful black fighters, right? The, the biggest being Anthony Joshua. He's not promoted as a black fighter. He's just promoted as a really good fighter. But in the United States, what happens is it's Mexico versus Puerto Rico. No, it's not. It's a Mexican dude. Okay, yeah, but we're, he's, we're he really here to see him box, right, versus a guy who happens to be from Puerto Rico, or it's the Irish guy fighting on St. Patrick's Day. I just think it... it, it but, America, again, aren't we a melting yeah. pot in America? Well, you know, the U.K. is a very uh, diverse society as well, Steve. And again, Right, but, if they, but I, they don't have the NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, and college sports. I, I think it's a different dynamic out well, there. And I think in America, um, I've been just kind of going back and reading my history. I'm reading... Uh, Jack Dempsey's book, uh, uh, and, and I'm reading a, a biography about uh, John L. Sullivan. And even before whites would cross the color line uh, to fight black fighters, uh, they were they were promoting the sport along ethnic lines. Uh, yeah, they were Italian, you know, Irish, you name it. Or be Catholic versus Protestant, uh, yeah. or like that. Um, that's, I don't know. I'd have to look at you know you'd have to look at the way things were promoted as soon as a black guy was in the top spot. You know they were used Amilcar, to your yeah, point ahead, about Crawford, the, the yeah, geographic Crawford. logic that top rank uh, showed. And I remember when he first fought there in his major HBO debut, which was when he was starring, thanks to Mikey Garcia who backed out of the Gamboa fight. I told people that fight's going to do well. People said you're nuts, and I said no. I know how well he drew as an amateur at those cards. I had inside info. I made it a point to go there, and I said, oh, they got something here. With that said, go back to the PBC. They have some very good, exciting, talented African-American fighters. Absolutely. Errol Spence will be making his first fight in the Dallas Metroplex area in about three years. But that's my point, Steve. The Charlo brothers. Yeah. They should be be in, in Houston regularly. But they're yeah, not. But here's, here's the thing. I agree with you. They should be. Look, Crawford is successful because he's promoted as a fighter, not as a black fighter. I would just but say he's they, promoted, period. Yeah, he's promoted, but absolutely. But if they started putting him up on MLK Day and Kwanzaa, you name it, whatever the case may be, you know, it's going to alienate certain people. 
Now, if you look at the way a lot of people view the PBC, like I said, it's almost like a for us, by us type of situation. I, I think a lot of people. Boxing. A lot that of people. Have, no, I'm telling you, Steve, a lot of people, I speak to them, they look at it as a black promotion. And people who support the PBC, friends of mine included, they support it almost as if it's like a black owned business that needs supporting. And when you do that, you ostracize yourself from certain segments of, of the population. All I'm saying is fighters should be promoted as fighters across the board. I, I think that when you get into the whole ethnic rah-rah, whatever the country is, it, it's just not a good situation. And I think it's hurt black fighters specifically. That's, that's pretty much what I'm saying. Well, I, I would also say, you know what hurts black fighters? <clears throat> Falling for the hustle of Al Heyman. That's on them. Yeah, you know, the, the, there's a disconnect in that, you know, it's it's uh, the, the black mastermind, the black CEO, Al Heyman of the PBC. Uh, but then all the actual promoters of the events aren't black. And are they are those guys actually reaching out into the community? And have they been successful in being the black promoters? But are they promoters? No, or they never they never put people where they're from, <laughs> well, and they don't promote them properly. But guys, are they promoters or puppets? Let's be honest. They have a, they have promoters' licenses. They shield Al Heyman from a lot of the liability. So uh, you know that's the thing. Um, this well, is a fascinating discussion. Uh, but free yeah. us, buy us. The FUBU yeah. of boxing. Anyway, someone should do on, a meme. On that, on that, no, on that note, guys, because I've taken up a lot of time, I'll just, I'll just thank you for for getting me on. And and um, Gabe, I gotta thank you for putting me onto the Intercept podcast, man. I, I'm amazed I didn't know about it, and I've just been like listening back way through the various episodes. They're really, really good. So I, yeah, no, I, awesome. I got onto that through you through a tweet you had. Great podcast, man. Fantastic. I'm glad you're enjoying it. All right, man. All yeah, right, a milk car. May 12th. See you there. Yeah, I'll see you there, Steve. All right. Anyway, but we'll talk to you beforehand. Don't, don't be afraid to call in, you know. But anyway, the FUBU of boxing. You know, I never bought FUBU. I love the Nietzsche. I have a little bit of Echo. Yeah, I never got into FUBU. But anyway, never that 347 <laughs> 215-7598. Gabe, yeah, who's next? There was, there's no way I'd be getting away with FUBU. Uh, yeah, I'm more of a Jordan brand guy now, so anyway. Yeah, no, I had the, I had the Nikes. I, you know, I didn't have the yeah. rest of the outfit with it or the game, but I had the Nikes, uh, the first Jordans. 530, you're live on the next round. Good evening, Gabe, Steve. Robbie, up, now give us a yay or a nay on the ESPN Plus deal uh, and app. Well, uh, when I become more technologically savvy, um, I'll, I'll bite on it. But now I'm not, I'm not skilled enough to, to do anything like that. I'm, I'm uh, trying to learn. Uh, I'm of the older generation, so I'm trying to get current. I just, you know, I recently got an iPhone, so I'm still trying to figure that out. <laughs> Hold on, uh, Robbie. So what? As of three months ago, you still had a flip phone. Is that was that what you're trying to tell us? Um, um, uh, yeah. Um, so <laughs> I'm I'm trying to get up to speed, Steve. But as soon as I do, I think that's a good deal. Okay. Uh, so, <laughs> you're but, being questioned by a man that still has a Walkman. Just letting yeah. you know. But, yeah. Uh, uh, well, I, under, I, under, I understand that. Gabe. I'm not switching them over. It takes forever. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey, I, I, Steve, I've been there. I, I know where you're coming from. But as far as that goes, I don't look. I, I support anything that supports boxing. 
And as long as there's good fights available, um, it, you know, as long as I would like to see ESPN go ahead and do this, put this app together, have people buy it, but also have it available for those that aren't technologically savvy like me, and put it put and put it on our TVs. Um, you know, I, you know, I've been following boxing since Ollie Frazier won. Uh, I, you know, that's how long I've been interested in this sport. You know, that's why I started getting involved in podcasts like five or six years ago. Um, this is, you know, this is a port, sport I love and I support. And, you know, so I'm going to go for anything that's, that supports. But now getting on to that, I, I've got to ask, um, I, I would like to be a, uh, a plant in Peter Nelson's office and want to know what the hell he's doing. I I, I can see what Showtime is doing, uh, you know, criticize the PBC or not, but Stephen Espinosa is doing a good thing there. I can see what ESPN is doing. I have no idea what HBO is doing. Look, uh, this uh, Dylan White-Lucas Brown fight, it's not a U.S. fight. It, uh, you're lucky if it's a domesticated uh, U.K. fight. What what's the purpose of this? Yeah, I, I mean, look, I, I've said this and I've made this analogy. Peter Nelson taking all these matchroom fights, and if he doesn't get Anthony Joshua, that's like him taking every Cleveland Cavalier except LeBron James. Yeah. Uh, look, uh, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I'm the kind of guy that. As long as there's boxing on my TV, I'll watch it. But I, you know, since I've been doing podcasts for the past few years, I I also try to understand the business. I, you know, I've interviewed people, um, you know, but I, frankly, I just don't get what HBO is doing. And as far as the whole Joshua thing goes, um, we had this discussion on my show yesterday. Um, you know, Joshua's telling Eddie Hearn, oh, well, I don't want Wilder to come into the ring afterwards. Well, look, that's a wonderful way to promote an upcoming fight. I mean, look at what Canelo did after he beat Chavez. Uh, what's the first thing he did is he brought Triple G into the ring, and that was a wonderful way to announce, hey, look, we're going to fight, and now we're going to have a second fight. I, I, you know, I don't understand what's going on. Um, but I also, on the other hand, I don't like the pressure being put on Joshua. Well, you've got to come to the U.S. Uh, I say, wh- why bother with the U.S. when you can continually buy, you know, get eighty or ninety thousand people? But Robbie, let's be know. let's be honest about who's saying that. That's a lot of jingoism. I don't right. know if a lot of British fans are saying it. Right. You know. Look, uh, as far as I'm concerned, Steve. Um, I hate to be a, a badass here, but he's got all the negotiating swag. I mean, uh, he's filling up arenas. He, You know, people are entertained. Wilder can't say that. I mean, his biggest crowd was his last fight, 14,000, I think it was. Uh, granted, we don't use the stadiums here in the U.S. like they do in the, in the U.K., but uh, he's got no, no negotiating leg to stand on. And why should Joshua be forced to give up his home canvas advantage? Um, another thing before because I get Robert out of here. Because title longer. Yeah. 
Uh, I mean, he does get to be champion on some level. Everybody wants to cut him down to size. I'm not a nationalist by any stretch of the imagination. But, you know, in in this all the talk about how the fight's going to go down financially, I've stopped listening to Wilder because he's the fighter, and he's going to have a giant ego. He's going to say a lot of things. But I listened to what Shelley Finkel said. Um, I listen to a bit of what Ludabella says as well. So hold on, are you listening to Shelly Wink, uh, Finkel or Shirley Winkle? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a big question. Uh, you know, but I, I think there's more truth in what they're saying because they're they're more business people as opposed right. to the guy that has to. You know, he's the champ and he's had it longest. He's not developed into the bigger star uh, on his own soil. That that's for sure. And I think right. he's got to know that he's been in. He's been in the stadium watching Anthony Joshua fight. He's got to know. But uh, I don't know. I also just I think everybody's just going a little overboard with, with discussing another guy's money. I just want to see the fight. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Gabe. Um, you know, but uh, I have to hear this once a week, so I've got, I've got to come out and vent once in a while <laughs> when you, when you can't enough. do. But uh, as far as Ramirez go, I am very happy for Jose and uh, you know, I like I like Bob's plan. Uh, I hope it works. But on the other hand, I've seen Regis Progre fight every time he's been on Showtime, and I, I firmly believe he deserves the title shot. And yeah, it would be a it'd be a, a disadvantage for him to go to Fresno, but Jose has proven he can draw there. And I, I was very unhappy. The one thing I was unhappy about, I understand why they did it now, but. Uh, they've done such a wonderful job with Terrence Crawford having him fight in Nebraska. Uh, the, the last time we folks here in Northern California had a a world champion that we could go and see was Tony the Tiger Lopez in Sacramento. Yep. Um, Don Shargan yeah. did that. Yeah. I, I, fr- I firmly believe that Jose, uh, that that's a wonderful place in Fresno. He uh as long as he has the title, he should be allowed to fight there. It's okay, interesting. Well, you know, they're going to take again. him down to L.A. and have his fans travel there and then hopefully yeah. you know, join with the Southern California uh, fight fans. I think that's very smart, you know? Yeah, you and remember you know. this. Holy uh, hmm. Ramirez, before he became a champion, was long developed in Fresno. Yep. So it's not yep. like they're planting AstroTurf. There's been real grass that has been cultivated and nurtured and grown here. Robbie, thank you for the call. we got to get going. 347. Okay, thank you, guys. 215-7598. We saw the fight review, fight preview, and news and notes. Gabe? Uh, let's go 619. You're live on the next round. Hey, guys. It's uh, Juan from San Diego. How are you? So, Juan, Juan yes or no on Juan. the ESPN Plus app? Yeah, but I'm not a good person to ask because I'm like a hardcore, so I'll just buy it and have people over and have somebody bring me a six-pack and, you know, I, I get no, no, but no, but no, honestly, though, it still matters. Trust me. It's not like Top Rank says, oh, we just want the general sports fan. I, things like this, if you don't appeal to the base, you've got no yeah. shot at appealing to a wider-ranging audience. You don't. Not, not with boxing, at least. I'm wondering how much of this is going to be added on. Like uh, one of the, I read your article and one of the things it said was, oh, this is in addition to like the, the eight, however many. Yeah, days the 18 we, shows. Right. It's not taking yeah. away from ESPN, but I, I do wonder the caliber of fights. Are, are most of the right. fights with Lomachenko, Crawford, and Valdez or Ramirez going to be on ESPN Plus? 
Because at that point, I'm thinking, ooh, that's, that's going to be an issue. That's going to be an yeah, issue to we, me. If we get all the crappy, you know, kind of whatever fights on, on regular ESPN, and then you have to, you know, you have to pay to get to see the, the good ones, then, yeah, that, that's not going to draw in the base. I mean, I'm going to be watching them regardless, but it's not going to draw in the base. So, Juan, uh, your thoughts on Jose Ramirez? Has he sold on, has, has he sold him? I am. I'm sold. I liked it. Did he stay disciplined? Body work, body work. That body work, you couldn't catch up to him in the in the early rounds. And that body work, to me, did the trick. I mean, to me, it, it paid off because you know in the later rounds he was able to connect and actually slap uh, Amir's head back to where you know it started to look like, oh wow, he's winning these rounds convincingly. And I think he did that because he was able to catch up to him in the later rounds, so that he put he put money in the bank there in the early rounds, and so. I, I think he did a good job. I, every time I watch any 140 belt title fight right now, I'm thinking, is this the Crawford JV league, right? I mean, could any of these guys be champs now? Be, if, if, if Bud said, all right, you know, who's coming up here at 140 to, to try to take my crown? I don't know that anybody could at this point. You know, Pro Grace, Ramirez, I don't know that anybody could have competed. with. But you Bud. know what, though? I look at it differently. A lot of these guys are better than Crawford's opponents at 140. I think all these guys are better than Ndongo. Yeah, that's a good point. He's unified off of Ndongo, right? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you know, he accomplished the goal efficiently. But, I mean, yeah, there's a lot lacking in Terrence Crawford's resume. Everybody really wants him to be the number one guy and call him for talent. Uh, He's a very good boxer, but uh, I'd like to see some chance. I'd like to see some real fights. Yeah, to to your point, it's okay to say, listen, I think Crawford is one of the best fighters in the world based on my eye test, I being any individual out there. It's also okay to have a dissenting view at the same time say, but you know what, his resume is just kind of eh. You you could have both opinions and be correct. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, John Molina Jr., you know? Felix Diaz is a decent fighter. Um, I mean, you know, Postal is more awkward than talented, you know? Yeah, people thought Postal was going to be able to do something because he was so awkward, but, you know, no. Hank Lundy? He didn't. Really a 35-pounder? Cameron Hank, yeah. yeah, That was was a joke fight. So a couple things here. um, As far as uh, the the, – I I do all the podcasts and stuff. So, uh, Steve – Mario's impression of of, of Bob Aram needs to it, be retired. You, thank you. Tell you. Him we thank that. you. Thank you. Tell thank him. you for. I will let him know when he gets back when from he, Israel. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Shalom. When when he uh, <laughs> when he does his, I'm like, I'm like, you know, come on, man. I mean, you're you're doing the impression in the presence of a, of a, of a quality impression, right? Cause Thank your, you. your impression. Thank your impression you. Gold standard good. here. Gold standard yeah, here. Compar- Gold standard. Comparatively. He doesn't even grunt, you know, I mean, exactly. come on, Mario. come on. What are you doing? Terrible. It's awful. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm wondering, you've now booked, I think the last time we talked, you've now booked your flights on orbits to uh, New York city for the, uh, Linares Lomachenko fight. My yearly trip fight. to the big apple. Yes. Yeah. I think it's a great fight. I think it's going to be uh, – I think Loma will come out. But he needs those uh, – victorious, but he needs those names on the resume, right, because he doesn't have that many fights. Um, so, again, eye test, right? The guy is you, – you see him and you're like, wow, he is the Matrix. But I want to see him beat 
some of these guys, right? I want to see him beat Linares. I want to see him right. fight Mikey and, and, and maybe beat Mikey. So, have you booked your Malaysia tickets, though? That's what I No. Uh, you know what? <laughs> I'm going to book my tickets to Bolivia or Bolivian <laughs> because let me just tell you right now. Is there a chance that Manny Pacquiao will fight in Malaysia? Yeah. But is that fight with Lucas Matisse done by any stretch? Absolutely not. Yeah. I think the IRS is going to eventually knock him out worse than uh, Juan Manuel Marcus did. <laughs> well, it may not knock him out, but it'll keep him out of America. Yeah. Is he ever coming back to the States? I mean, that's a good point. You know, I don't know. I don't know enough to, to comment on whether or not he's going to stay out of the country, but I know he definitely doesn't want to earn any more money in this country. I can tell you that for sure. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, the last comment I had was uh, uh, I, I, I hope and pray and will light a candle for every day that Gervonta Davis does go to MMA um, because I want to see that. <laughs> I, I want to see that so bad. I just, I want him to go to MMA. I'm like, yes, yeah, yeah, Tank, you should. Totally. Everybody around him should say, yeah. Listen, so. there's two things Gervonta Davis, who's a talented young fighter, that when he says, I don't believe a single word of it, A, that he wants to fight Lomachenko, and B, that he's going to do MMA. Floyd wouldn't let him in the same building as Lomachenko, let alone the same ring. I mean, <laughs> yeah, or, he'd be or like, the same octagon. Yeah, he'd say, oh, is Loma going to be there? No, nah, we're, we're not going to New York this week. We're going to go somewhere else. Anyway, yeah. all right. All right. Juan, thank Thanks you very much. Guys. Three, four, three, four, seven, two, one, five, seven, five, nine, eight, Gabe. Uh, 816, you're live on the next round. What's going on, fellas? It's Brandon Stubbs. How are you doing this evening? Well, Stubbs! Okay, we're doing some more market research here. ESPN Plus, thumbs up or thumbs down? Uh, I don't pay for apps, so it's going to be a no for me. Okay. Hmm, hmm. all right. That, which, which actually brings me to, you know, something I was going to ask you guys about last week, but also rings true again this week. Um, I know ESPN, I watched a lot of ESPN during conference uh, tournament week, uh, listen to the app, uh, ESP Radio, all, you know, two weeks ago, every day. And there was no digital ads, there were no commercials, nothing was said about uh, the fight, um, uh, uh, Quig and um, Kevin, Valdez. Name. Quig and Valdez. There was no ads whatsoever. Uh, nothing was shown about it. And I thought that was really weird. Well, fast forward to this week, you had the same thing again. The only thing that was said about this weekend's card was Don King and Bob Arrow. And I kind of wonder what kind of marketing are they going to do with this boxing going forward because it seems like ESPN is in, but they're not actually promoting it, which is very strange to me. It's like you see no promotion whatsoever, no commercials. Uh, you know, I, really I actually – ha- Brandon, I actually saw a few things, but you're right. It has been sporadic. I've actually expected more. But I saw a graphic on, uh, I forgot what game it was, and coming out of Sports Center. And there's also another thing that I saw where they did mention the fight. But you're right. But I, I have been expecting more in terms of, like, the vignettes and the, future, uh, the features. Look, when they started off with Manny Pacquiao last year, you're like, wow, look at all this stuff. But it was Manny Pacquiao. So I said, okay, they're going to scale it down. I thought it would be more along the range of the lomachenko Rigando fight, but quite frankly, you're right. It has not been at that level. It would be really good is if ESPN had a boxing fight, visited the gyms and did vignettes that way, you know, you know, and, and uh, actually, you know, uh, instead of just working the phones. 
I don't know. So, Gabe, are you something. saying Dan's not mobile enough to actually go around to gyms to do that? Is that Oh, the Stubbs, come on. I know just Stubbs. That is bad, man. Stubbs, that's no. Hey, by the way, uh, okay, all right, hold on. I've got to ask Brandon this. He's a very astute boxing observer. What are your thoughts on Mark Kriegel? He's awful. God, he's so bad. <laughs> he's so bad, right? And the thing is, it's, it's, it's just, it's so awkward because, you know, Tim Bradley's energy has been a lot more up and more pep and more, he actually seems to, to want to be there. He, you can tell that in these last couple cards he's done. His energy level has been way up and much been way better on the mic, uh, opposed to the first couple top rank cards he was doing. But Kriegel just adds nothing. He just kind of, you know, Tim says something great, and then Kriegel goes on and lists ran and tells stories that lead nowhere, and it's just like, dude, what, what are you doing? Okay, guys, here's my thoughts on Kriegel. Brilliant, gifted writer. His resume speaks for itself. The writing and broadcasting is different, different, and even there's different roles of broadcasting. And I don't know if him playing that merchant role is what really sets him up perfectly. And the one thing that I would tell Kriegel, if he wanted my advice, I, I would just tell him this. Mark, sometimes it ain't that deep. Not everything is like this big three-dimensional. Sometimes it's just two guys fighting, and let's hope they put on a good show. It doesn't always have to be this social, political comment, Gabe. And and Larry Merchant didn't compete with Jim Lampley to see who would talk more on the broadcast. He picked his spots. He let the fight guy talk and not go, no, you know, actually, uh, multi-division champion, uh, even though I've probably never been in a fight or maybe maybe he's been in a scuffle or two, uh, but he's not a boxer. He's a writer, and he's correcting Tim Burley, and he's wrong. And it's like, dude, less is more. Be comfortable not saying anything, you know? Larry Um, used to go rounds without speaking. So, okay, so let me ask you this, guys, and I think I already know Gabe's answer. Okay, (laughs) hold on. How about this one? If you had your choice, would you want Teddy Atlas back in place of Kriegel? No. We know what we're going to get with Teddy Atlas. So, I mean, to an extent, yeah. I mean, Teddy's last appearance where he pretty much sunned Kriegel was maybe the greatest thing ever. And it was so <laughs> was awesome. uncomfortable to watch. That was it was awkward, man. It was a car wreck that you just couldn't, like, you had to stop in traffic and look at because it was so – it was so bad, but Teddy knew he was on his way out, so Teddy was like, I got nothing to lose, so he just Brandon, went in. you know what I'll never forget about that night? It was November 4th. I was at, or November 11th, I believe. I was at the Miami-Notre Dame game uh, at Hard Rock Stadium, and instead of getting texts from my friends about the actual fight, which I believe was Ramirez-Mike Reed, people mm-hmm. were texting me saying, Steve, you've got to listen to this broadcast. And I would be in the middle of the game, I'd be like, Why? It's so bad, it's kind of good. And I said, what do you mean? He says, Atlas and Kriegel are fighting like cats and dogs. And when I went home to watch it, I'm like, OMG, what you was going on here? Yeah, it was yeah, just, I mean, it, uh, you couldn't help Teddy but agree. He's just aggressive and, and kind of combative with his knowledge at this stage. And it's just, it's like, you know, fingernails on a chalkboard. But Kriegel, too, though, it's just... I hate to be that guy that's like every broadcast I complain about. It, it feels like broadcasting has changed. Uh, <laughs> but wait a minute. So, Gabe, so, Gabe, so me asking you for Kriegel and Atlas is like asking you as a single guy, would you rather have gonorrhea or syphilis? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I was like, can I have a third option? Let me be the producer in their ears during those broadcasts. I can mute them or tell them to shut the fuck up <laughs> and let the fight happen. Or, or even, hey, guys, there's a fight on. You should talk about it. 
It's right you know, in front uh, of you. You have good yeah. seats. <laughs> it's just exactly. right there. Yeah, it's real. So, Tom, what else is on your mind? <laughs> you know, I, I, a lot of people are kind of doubting the, uh, you know, the Dylan White, um, uh, Brown, uh, Lucas fight, Lucas Brown fight on uh, HBO. I don't have that much of a problem with it for the simple fact of HBO is trying to get content. Uh, granted, that it may not be make a lot of sense in the grand scheme of the heavyweight division because they really have no heavyweights as part of their network, but it could be leading up to something. Now, if Eddie Hearn is pulling the wool over their eyes and saying, hey, you give me this and this, I'm going to bring you Joshua in a matter of time, you know, I, I'm okay with that. But um, it, it gives us something to watch. It gives us fights. It, it gives us different fighters to see that a lot of us may not have the capability of seeing here in the state. So it, it could be a complete garbage fight. Oh, Brandon. But, I mean, the thing that I something. like about this is that I plan to work out in the afternoon. I, you know, during non-football season, I go at a certain time to wild card. And when you have these afternoon cards that you have to stream, you're kind of trapped in terms of your time. Now that it's on HBO, I could put it on DVR and watch it at any time on Saturday. I love that facet of it. I, I, I am not upset about that. Absolutely, Absolutely. not. Yeah, I'll, I'll tune in and watch it. I mean, it's Saturday. I've got nothing else to do during the daytime. Like I said, there's no college football on. Uh, the tournament games will start until later in the evening, so, I mean, it would be a good precursor to lead in oh, uh, to those games. So And don't forget, there's a Golden Boy card on from Puerto Rico, Viva Puerto Rico, this Saturday night. Don't forget that. Uh, absolutely. By the way, shout-out to you. Uh, great job on the uh, Thompson card Saturday night. And, and to Doug as well. Doug on the, uh, the Golden Boy card. On a Friday night, so I listen, watch, stream both cards again. I show you how little life I have. I was drunk while I was watching those, but hey, nevertheless, I, I hey, the parts. I'm glad we could keep you somewhat sober. And you know, Beto Duran is a great partner. We have a great time doing that, and uh, that's the new wave. So, so wait a minute. So, Brandon, what are you going to do on these nights when ESPN Plus has these cards? Like, you're just going to find a random stream, or are you going to go to a friend's house? How do you, how do you handle that? Looking I mean, forward? I was really going to. It's really going to depend on what the stream is all going to encompass because what am I paying for ESPN for now? So, I mean, what is ESPN Plus all going to encompass? And also depends on the fight cards. Like somebody said earlier, I mean, if we're going to get the Lomachenko cards and, you know, the, uh, you know, Valdez cards, all right, I may be more inclined to do so. It also depends on what other stuff uh, the ESPN Plus app is going to have. Are they going to have different, uh, maybe I don't have any rights for baseball games. They'll have different games on my market, or if they'll have fights from other parts of the co- other uh, uh, countries, if they'll have kickboxing or other content. I mean, I, I may lean towards doing it, but you know, if it's going to be Friday night fight caliber fights, they're going to put on that on there. No, that's not worth five dollars. Well, Brandon, keep uh, this so in I mean, mind. It really depends. They are going to have shoulder programming related to boxing, and they are going to have international championship fights that are going to be non-top rank affiliated. Just so you know. So just. So you'll wait and see, which is certainly fair. Brandon, thank you for calling in. All right, take it easy, fellas. All right, that is Stubbs, Mr. Stubbs. Uh, Gabe, quick, quickly here to the fight review. Uh, Friday night, uh, Mr. Stubbs mentioned this. L.A. Fight Club returned for 2008. Gabe, uh, Antonio Orozco with the rather pedestrian decision. But, Gabe, did you see Jose Gonzalez, that young prospect, Golden Boy just signed, the younger brother of Joette? I, I think he has a real ceiling. Real high ceiling uh, here. Uh, yeah, uh, that uh, that that knockdown at the end there was pretty scary. Uh, that kid, nice balance. Uh, wait a minute, actually, I'm thinking of the Edward, Edgar uh, Valera fight that ended with that really scary. Oh knockdown. yeah. Uh, no, but I did wow. see Jones Gonzalez as well, and that that kid looks like he's got nice tools. Like I said, uh, it's the kid I'm thinking of. Uh, the balance skills, uh, the the all the punches. 
uh, I, you know, I want to see him more. That, you know, it's obvious at this this level. Uh, we'll see it as the competition steps up. But I, I like what I see. But Valerio continues to be must see TV. Uh, that kid is a real deal, and he, he knows how to get you on the end of his power. Uh, and just real snap, it, real scary kid. Uh, I, I can't to see him uh, get punched in the mouth and, and find out that about him. Yeah, that's another kid that has a real passion for the sport. So certainly someone worth keeping tabs on. Gabe, did you happen to catch that knockout on Telemundo between Roberto Ariaza and Sammy Valentin? <laughs> Spooky. Wow. That, <laughs> wow. <laughs> they were just talking about it. he was looking a little bit bigger than the other guy, and then, uh, yeah, it's over. Uh, it's just, just crippling power. You, you wonder how far that can go, how high up you know, in competition well, that can take him. But, uh, brutal. Sammy Valentin is undefeated when he's not fight, facing Thompson boxing fighters. Uh, the next time Al Campanova calls them, they better hang up, okay? Uh, Roberto Aliaza is a big, raw-bone puncher. Oh, I can't wait to see more of him. And, Gabe, Saturday night, you haven't seen it yet because you haven't been through the whole broadcast. Michael Dutchover really had a character-building six-round fight against Ricardo Not Benito Lopez. I think you're going to like the type of competition that was Excellent. provided for him on this night. But, Gabe... Danny Roman, we did the rebroadcast of his fight from Japan against Rio Matsumoto. Okay, listen, I'm not calling him Marco Antonio Barrera, but I've got to tell you, this kid is turning into a very impressive young champion. I like what I'm seeing from this guy. Uh, yeah, no doubt. And, and actually, I, I watched, I'm watching the card backwards, so I started with the main event ah, okay. and I'm working my way back. Uh, that kid, uh, I really like him. Uh, Dutch over. He's, he's, you know, sits down on his punches, uh, appears to take a, a good punch. That was a, 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 a kind of fight that, like you said, it, he'll look back in a few and, and uh, draw on the lessons learned in it to, to know that you can, you can slug it out and, and be that aggressive and still have something in your tank deep in a fight. That's important knowledge. And boy, Danny Roman, uh, he's really turned into something, man. Uh, very professional prize fighter. Um, I love the way, you talked about this. He didn't use the jab. He kind of used the other guy's jab against him, stayed on the outside, yep. nice uh, movement at the waist, and then got inside and just killed that body. Uh, just uh, real beautiful. Uh, the way he used his defense, like you know, picking off shots, but also mo- moving his head, uh, multiple types of defense, blocking as well, uh, and then just getting out of range. It was uh, kind of always there, but just uh, always either – all the way in and out of reach or just a little bit out of reach. Uh, great stuff. He's really developing into a hell of a champion. I love what's going on at 122, Gabe, because look, Ray Vargas, West Coast Mexican fighter, um, Jesse Magdaleno, you know, with the major promoters, going to be on ESPN April 28th. Mm-hmm. Diego De La Hoya certainly has some bloodlines and a promotional entity. Uh, Azad Hobanessian, who looked very good. There are some fights to be made at 122 in the future. If you mix and match that, you're going to get some good activity there. Uh, Gabe, moving ahead, fight preview this Thursday, ESPN2. <laughs> Gabe, is there a more polarizing young fighter on social media <laughs> than Ryan Garcia? <laughs> uh, Gervonta Davis, maybe, but I think people more kind of lean towards piling on him. Uh, you know, this kid's interesting. I, I'm I'm on the fence about Ryan Garcia. I he just he, he's kind of talking like he's already a world champion. I know he's a you know multinational champion, uh, has a hell of an amateur pedigree. You know, um, less than like, like 13 losses, something like that, over 200 200 wins. 
Um, so he's, you know, he's has a, a reason to be confident. Trained, I think, at his house, right? He's like homeschooled. Yeah, in his garage. Yeah, I mean Diego Corrales had a garage, uh, you know, a garage gym. So I can't take that away from him. Uh, but the way he fights, I just I wonder about him. You know, he's got that chin way up in the air. But I think what annoys people, you know, he's 19 years old and he's very smart with social media. And it, every time I watch him interviewed, I feel like he's doing an interview for Snapchat. Like like he's doing little like sound bites and just knows how to play the camera. Uh, he does. Oscar De La Hoya, you know, he had to be taught that. This kid doesn't. He's a natural with it. Uh, and he's a child of social media, a child of the Internet. It's all kids, uh, you know, from his range are. Uh, so he's really, I don't know, there's something about him. Maybe he's just too good looking. Guys can't, can't handle right. it. No, he's, he's polarizing in a lot of ways. And a lot of the time when he puts up these pictures, not only is it for the ladies, it turns out it's for some of the fellas too, which I, I believe is very funny. Because when you turn on his, his Twitter feed, and you look at some of the posts and you go to the reactions, they are hilarious. They're, they're not only safe for work, they're a little bit R-rated, but I, I can't laugh. Uh, I, I, I can't help but laugh. It's funny. The kid's out there, and, and he says, hey, I want to fight Gravonta Davis right now. Uh, you know what? If you want to put yourself out there like that with that style, good luck to you. We need guys like this. But, again, he's got a lot to learn. He really His chin is up in the air like a, like a lantern in the night, like a Pez dispenser. And he still has not had a real fight. You have to keep that in mind. So, but, he, but he's a polarizing, interesting character. And quite frankly, he does make it a little bit more fun. Also on this card, yes. good fight between Keandre Gibson and Eddie Gomez. And also two blue-collar prospects that I think have a future. Joette Gonzalez and Emilio Sanchez, represented by Frank Espinosa. They are on the card. And Saturday on ESPN from Viva Puerto Rico. Yes, boxing does go on post-Verdejo. Uh, Jose Martinez takes on Alejandro Santiago. And Joshua Franco, the professor, take on Lucas Fernandez. And on HBO Saturday afternoon from the O2 Arena in London, Lucas Brown takes on Dillian White. We have 15 more minutes available to us this Monday. Gabe, let's go back to the phone lines. You know, when people talk about the development of a superstar, you know, those intangibles that, you know, are the things you can't account for. And Ryan Garcia, like, like De La Hoya before him, Oscar brought – you know, he could, he could fight and had that Olympic pedigree. So he brought male boxing fans, but he had the looks to bring women, but he also, he brought, let's just put it. He had, he had guys from both sides of the aisle uh, that liked him. You know, I had a, a friend of mine who's, who's gay. Uh, and, had a, had a, and right-handers is what you're saying, yes, Mr. Montoya. Yes, and, and maybe even from the tweets back and forth. Uh, I had a, a gay friend of mine who was a huge boxing fan and he had like a gym at his house and, you know, he had pictures of old fighters, but the biggest picture was like this, uh, you know, Florida ceiling picture of Oscar De La Hoya. Uh, and I think, you know, you talk about this in, in, with actors or, or just performers in general, you know, when you can get men and women to be into you, but also the gay crowd into you, uh, that's the makings of a superstar. You're kind of crossing over uh, all, all these different demographics. And Ryan Garcia has that potential, but he's got the bravado of a guy that's actually done something yet. And like you said, that you know those those first few are always for you. Uh, you know, you're knocking everybody out. Uh, it might be the matchmaking and not your fist. So we're gonna find out about him. I can't wait. Nine one seven, you're live on the next round. You say nine one seven? Yes. Hey, what's going on, guys? What's up? Hey, what's up? Good. Talk to us. 
Cool, cool. Uh, so, one of you guys is talking about Ryan Garcia. I've been wanting to tell you guys for for a minute that I I think I'm obviously it's too early to say if the kid got the goods and well you know if he's that good, but I think I think he's got it. I think he's got it. Uh, Gabe, why did you say you're not you're not too high on him? Um, because I'm a natural hater. I think. Uh, no, Ooh, I, I think, I think, you hate over. I know. Well, I'm just on the, I'm on the fence with him right now. He looks like he's got the punches, uh, but you know, um, I, I wonder. And maybe you can confirm this. Does he go out to the gyms out there and get the top level sparring, or does he stay within the cocoon of that gym? In his uh, he does. The problem is he's alienated a lot of people by putting up certain clips without putting up the whole unedited session. So I mean, that mm. that to me is a little bit of breaking gym etiquette, and he's kind of a marked man in certain places. That's so, I mean, again, he has natural tools. I, I don't know about his base fundamentals. He admitted to me last year in an interview, yeah, I grew up watching Roy Jones and a little bit of Floyd Mayweather, and you could see that influence all over, which is great. Here's the problem. Those guys are once-in-a-lifetime type of talents, you know? Well, there's so much to show into Roy Jones' career, you know, uh, when he started to slow down and all that originality didn't equal technique. And, you know, he had like experience and knowledge. I mean, he's once a lifetime fighter, but uh, he also got knocked cold several times. So uh, I think it runs, you know, with that chin way up in the air, uh, sooner or later, somebody's going to find out. We're going to find out if he can handle it. Even just, yeah. even, if he, even if he can take a, a good punch, the way he places his chin is going to get him knocked out. Yeah, till we see him get hit in the chops, we don't know that much about him. Uh, anything else we could do for you? Right. Well, yeah. Like I, I feel like uh, you're right. He does. He does need to do a little growing up. Um, but whatever. He, I mean, the kid is, is super young. So I don't 19, know. We'll, we'll see. Yeah. And uh, uh, Steve, I, I read your your article about uh, Verdejo. Um, I'm not trying to say I. Well, I am going to say I knew it from the beginning. I, I was never on the bandwagon. <laughs> I, I always kind of. I, I I got the feeling that that this kid they was trying to put him out there as a as a new big Puerto Rican star heir to. Tito and Cole. Uh, honestly, honestly, I didn't see it because uh, what, what I did notice with him anytime I saw him fight was that he didn't, he didn't really know how to how to make things happen offensively. So basically, you know, yeah, he was it was, nine, it was like, feast like, or famine with him. You're right. right. I mean, even like, in that fight Saturday, if he didn't, he looked like he was going for that home run highlight reel KO. And then when it was clear that Lozada wasn't going anywhere, it was like, oh, uh, now what? Now what? Exactly. He just stands there. And if, he, if he doesn't catch you making a mistake, it's going to be a, a boring fight dragging yeah, out. Can I just tell you something, though? If you've ever been to Puerto Rico, you would know why I wanted a Puerto Rican star to have big fights that I can go to. Really, this oh, was a loss well, about me more than Verdejo. <laughs> it's really my loss. I'm, I'm from New York. I feel you. I understand. But I, I just do This is not the same one. I'm 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 a, I'm a Dominican from New York, but I knew he wasn't the one. Yeah. And, uh, all right. Well, it, listen. We got to get so, running, okay? Thank you for the call. Cool. See you next week. All right, Gabe. Let's keep it going. Yeah, uh, that Tito Trinidad poster on my wall is not going anywhere. Uh, not being replaced <laughs> by Felix, anyways. Uh, for day uh, three and zero, you're live on the next round. Oh, I guess you're not. Um, let's go. Trying to get someone new. Let's go unlisted caller. We're live on the next round. Oh. Listen, well at work. 
Oh, oh, thank you very much. Well, uh, don't lose our, your job over us. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, 347, you're live on the next round. Hey, guys. What's going on? It's Hans. Hans. Hey, we're welcome Hans. aboard. All right. So, um, Steve, just a um, quick question before I start off. Um, I don't know if you were being sarcastic or anything, but I've seen in one of your tweets somebody asked you if um, Verdejo ever made it up to Big Bear. Um, yeah, he, he it didn't he last did. long. Trust me, he he actually did, and uh, it was rough sledding for him, and he kind of got out of there. So I mean, so I I kind of want to feel like what you meant by that, like he was sparring, people like beat him up real bad, and he just couldn't really take it. Yeah, basically, oh, he had wow. some rough days. It was it was a culture shock for him. Wow. All right. The Thank summit is everything. not for everybody. L- let me just tell you something. That ain't no summer camp, okay? <laughs> All right, thanks for clearing that up. I thought you was kind of like being sarcastic or something like that, honestly. Who, me? But, uh, sarcastic? I know. That's what, yeah, whatever. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> so, so, so one question that I have for you guys is um, Kyler and Shakur. Like, who do you guys think have the most, have the most upside at this point right now? <sighs> you know, based on physical strength, I would say Conlon. Right now, but I'm that could change in two years. What do you think, Gabe? I'm not big on either of them personally. Um, you know, I could be wrong, but about about Stevenson. I mean, they, but neither of them have got their man strength yet, so we don't really know about them. But they're not blowing dudes out. I mean, well, Conlon just blew that last dude out. Uh, but you know, I, I don't know if that was a matchmaking special or, or, or what that was. I, to me, it just seemed like a you know, just great set up great boxing by Mike Conlon and he landed the right shot. Uh, Stevenson hasn't figured that quite out yet, I don't think. I think it's just really early to tell who's got the higher upside. I mean, you know, you can do the, the, the racial promoting, like, at the beginning of time with, with uh, you know, St. Paddy's Day. Uh, maybe, you know, see, you know, take him to Boston, take him to Irish hotspots and see how he does. Um, you know, with Conlon. I'm not sure where, where Stevenson's crowd is yet. They're kind of moving them around, just uh, you know, getting them experience. Well, who do you like, by the way, caller? Um, I like Shakur actually. Something about okay. him. I, I don't know. I think it might be the whole Andre Ward thing behind him. I don't know, but uh, I just really like the kid. I really do. So I'm I'm kind of high on. I'm not really sure. Yeah. Why. Keep in mind, by the way, Andre Ward really Wait, liked Rock Nation as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> he got paid well by them, likes. Gabe. Hey, yeah, hey, Andre should like Rock Nation a lot, okay, based on what they paid him. Quick question before we let you go. ESPN Plus, are you going to be purchasing that app? Um, I mean, it's $25 a month. I think I'm like everybody else, but it's just like, eh, it's 25 bucks. I'll give it a shot. But, um, okay. Okay. But, um, but two quick points real quick. Just one on the on the fight that's coming up this weekend. I think Brown is going to beat the hell out of, um, out of White. White is kind of horrible to me. Doesn't he's just he's just no damn good. Man. Yeah, he's, he's really not. And, and um, oh, and okay, so I like to gamble, like legit gamble. And like I noticed that the line for like Lomachenko versus Lenares came out, and like I noticed that Lomachenko was a minus eight fifty. Uh, kind of high. Um, yeah. But, but I'm just like, all right, I don't I don't agree with those odds, like because. Lomachenko had those about those same odds when he was about to fight um, Nicholas Walters. It was about mm-hmm. roughly the same odds. 
So I'm just like, yo, don't you think that that fight would be a lot closer? I actually think Lenares has a real good shot, and I think he can actually win that fight. Well, let's put it this way. Do I think Lomachenko is the favorite? Yes. Do I think he's going to win? Yeah. But do I think it's 8-1? to one? No, I, I would make that more 3-1. to one. So, again, if you bet on value, Lenares is the only way to go with that number. Lenares isn't going to win, so... Uh, I don't think Lars. I mean, he's he's good, but I just I wouldn't I wouldn't bet on him to win. Uh, I'd bet on him to go the distance. I think he really does have a shot, and and also with um with Lomachenko, like why is he only fighting for um why is he only fighting for the WBA? I thought um doesn't Lars well, he's moving WBA? up though. He's moving up in weight. Lenares? No, no, yeah, well, no, no, no. Lenares is only the WBA champion. But I thought he had the WBC when he beat. No, um, no, he's he's the WBC silver title. That he's not the BC oh. champion. I think he dropped it. So it's it's trust me, it's only for the BA. Anyway, we got to get oh. running. Thank you for the call, Gabe. We got five minutes. Let's take a couple more calls here. You got it. Eight zero five. You're live on the next round. Hey, what's up, guys? <clears throat> it's me, Nacho. Um, Nacho, what's up? Nothing much. Uh, you know what's funny uh, right now when you guys were talking to Milkar and he brought up the whole uh, race promotion and everything? Um, I don't necessarily disagree with what he says, but my only question uh, I think you guys should ask him next time he's on is uh, uh, PBC also has Mexican and Puerto Rican fighters, and they have those motherfuckers fighting in Brooklyn and a bunch of other uh, nondescript venues all over the country. And they're not doing any uh, service. Uh, they're not servicing their clients well whatsoever. So I really don't understand his whole point of, oh, it's only black fighters that are not getting promoted. PBC does a shit job of promoting Mexicans and Puerto Ricans on the roster. So they are equal well. opportunity. Shit is what you're saying. Ex- well, exactly. Well, I don't know if he was necessarily saying PBC does it better. I, I think he was just saying that they're not, there's no one really servicing that demographic, but I, I don't know. I'm not sure if I understood all the argument uh, because it, it just, you know, targeting demographics is what marketing is all about. Right. And uh, by the way, Gabe, if I'm running a business and let's say I'm selling Steve Kim widgets or doodads and I see a certain group of people that are continually supporting my product, guess what? I will market and pander to them with no apologies. None. Yeah, I mean, None. it's, it's you got to take all the elements of what you have to promote and, and find out what the strengths are and, and go towards those. I think Conlon, you know, makes American Irish feel that much more Irish. Uh, and, you know, and he's got that personality. Uh, the middle fingers, you know, it's a great way to start off, just that kind of defiance. Um, and, and, you know, Bob is, is doing well with it, I think. He's doing the but, most you know, to Milkar's point, I do see what he's saying. I think it's very valid, but I, I just wish – you're right. It, it wouldn't be great if you said, okay, we're going to do a Kwanzaa Day card with black fighters. I, I, you know, he's absolutely right. That, that right there might be very divisive to certain people. But is it I, – I, I would counter by saying, is it too much to ask certain black fighters to be showcased, oh, I don't know, in their own neighborhood? That, that's, that would be my counter. And also, they had Jose Pedraza, the PBC, right? Here's a Puerto Rican champion who I think was the only Puerto Rican belt holder at that time, Gabe Nacho. He didn't have one fight on the island during that stretch of time. Right. Yeah, that's, exactly. That's, 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 in, that's incompetence. 
Really? They had him that, fighting in fucking Connecticut. I mean, come on. Alabama. That's how horrible they are. Ohio. Yeah. I mean, come that's on. That's how horrible they are. Yeah, so. And, I, I and, mean, now, and that was before Hurricane Mariah, so you can't even use that excuse. Yeah. Or all reason. I'm reason. Is that reason. I don't think it. I don't think it has anything to do with black fighters not being promoted by any company or whatever, the way he was trying to make it sound. My whole uh, thing is the PBC does a horrible job of promoting their own fighters, period, point blank. If they did a better job promoting their own fighters, then you would see them get a lot more exposure, but they don't. So then they resort to this bitching and moaning about how, oh, uh, it's because we're black, we're not getting any exposure. No, it's because... Al, Uncle Al doesn't want to spend any money to fucking promote you. So at the end of the day, uh, you signed a deal with the devil. You gotta lay, you know, you gotta accept with, uh, with who you uh, went to the dance with. Um, as far as not the, uh, real quickly, to... we gotta get out of here. Uh, Gabe's got okay. stuff to do. Yay or nay? Are you gonna be okay. purchasing the ESPN Plus app? Uh, yeah, like the other guys have said, I'll give it a shot as long as it's you know more boxing. I just hope okay. it's not crap, you know? Yeah, as long we as all do. Quality, yeah. As long as okay. it's quality, right. then I'm good. All right, okay, Nacho. So, and, all right. All right, well, yeah. we got to get going. We have one more tweet here from uh, <laughs> Adelaide Bird. Steve, who did you <laughs> learn your commentary tips and advice for, off of? You know, honestly, really nobody. I, the best way to do this is to watch people you like and that are good, and don't try to copy or replicate them. But understand the template or the foundation that they have and then build off of it yourself in terms of your own personality. Like, Gabe, you're into acting. I'm sure there's actors that you really admired, but I'm pretty sure you didn't try to copy them, right? No, no. You kind of watch what people's habits are. I still do that. You know, like the last show I worked on, was a guy that was like trained out of Juilliard, been acting like 40 years, and I got a warm-up from him. And and now I have this new way of warming up for a show. Uh, you're always kind of adding your, but I would say in observing you, uh, um, doing this show with you for so long, you got to be prepared. I fill my notebook up with, with things I, I think I want to on the show or I need to know. Uh, you've got a, a memory like a steel trap. You're always prepared. And it's the difference between listening to Mike Kriegel and listening to you on, bro- and I listen to you on several broadcasts now, uh, and you're a beat report, is that you're not just reading the press packet. You can always tell the guys that actually aren't covering the beat, but that have the loudest voices. You know, Jose Ramirez has been talking about uh, immigration issues for a long time yeah. and, and talking about water for a long time. But all these guys are leading with this, his biggest fight, as if they've discovered this new angle on him. And really, it's just <laughs> the Yeah, and, and Gabe, for the record, uh, when I do podcasts like this one, I have a mead notebook, a wide world, by the way, with all the notes, uh, schedules and all this stuff. It's not like just off the top of my head. But the better. one thing that I would say is, <laughs> That, uh, again, um, be prepared, develop your own style, but you can always see a foundation of broadcasting or acting. There are certain base principles that will always be paramount and key. Also, one other tip before we get out of here, Gabe, I know you're busy. Um, Watch great speakers, whether it's Malcolm X, Martin Lewis, or, or even Louis Farrakhan, believe it or not. I watch a lot of fair. The guy was a powerful speaker. The guy knows how to deliver a message. You don't have to agree with the political aspect, but when you watch these guys, these guys know how to say shit. And you're like, wow, wow, I don't want to leave. So that's one. So it doesn't always have to be broadcasters or play-by-play guys or actors. Look at people that know how to deliver a message or a speech, and you could actually learn just by watching them, Gabe. 
That's no my doubt. view. Yeah, no. Uh, go back. Yeah, I always watch great performances, all that over and over again. You study it like you know John Madden with the you know the pen. Like, oh, this is where you know he's hitting this thing. It's you know like listening to great music and, and commentary. Right. I love going over the old fights. You can hear that that progression from radio. It lasts a long time uh, in the older guys like Cosell that that knew how to give you information that you could just close your eyes and hear the fight. Uh, it's it's a real lost art these days. Although you guys are bringing it back. And the one thing that I've, and I'll close it with this, the one thing I did learn from Larry Merchant, less is more. Sometimes, shut up, let the action speak for itself. When you're on TV or the Internet, it is a visual form. You don't have to be Chick Hearn on the radio in 1969 <laughs> describing yeah. every single bounce of the ball. You don't need to do that. Yeah, you know? no, that's true. All right. Well, Gabe, I know you got stuff to do, and I've got television to watch, which is not as important. But anyway, so we'll be back next week, available for our two-hour show. Uh, Jimmy's Corner, next week we'll give you extended time. I hope he wasn't waiting. Uh, so on behalf of David Duenas and the rest of the Leave It in the Ring radio network, this is Steve Kim for Gabe Montoya saying, till the next round, goodbye, everybody.